I want to share a post-resurrection story with us, a post-resurrection scene with us. And um, it's, it's in an apartment in Jerusalem. And Jesus' disciples are, uh, are hanging out, but they're not just hanging out. They're actually kind of hiding because they're nervous and afraid and anxious because they're not sure what's going on. Jesus has died, and uh, for them, he's still dead. They've heard some rumors, and as they're in this place, this apartment in Jerusalem, two of them, two of them that aren't with them, come back. They're, they run into the house. They're yelling with excitement, uh, and, and they're, they're basically telling them it's all true. It's all true. The, some of the rumors are true. It's really true, and these two disciples themselves, they've literally seen Jesus. Jesus was walking with them on, on the road to their house and back, and Jesus reveals himself to them, and they're putting all the pieces together that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And here are these disciples now all together in this apartment in Jerusalem, and they're talking about this while Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up in the middle of this conversation, in the middle of some uh, skepticism, doubt, fears, anxiety, and these two rushing in, letting them know some of the rumors are true. The women really did see Jesus. He did show up to Peter, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I want to read this perspective. It's a cool scene in, uh, in Luke's gospel. It's found in Luke 24, and you can follow with me on the screen. Verse 36, moving forward. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why Do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? Good question. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Here's this this post-resurrection scene that Luke tells us about. I love Luke's perspective. Luke is, you know, he's unique in this because he's a historian, he's a doctor, he's, he's also writing to someone named Theophilus. Like Luke writes two letters in the, in the two books in the New Testament that we have recorded and one is called the Gospel of Luke telling us Jesus' story and the second one tells us the movement of the church post the resurrection and both of these books are written to this person Theophilus. In the beginning of Luke he says that he calls him the most excellent Theophilus. Maybe he's someone known, maybe he's someone that, you know, kind of like uh, tapped on Luke's shoulder and said, hey, you've been around these people. You've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, You know, uh, I know you have a a keen interest in history. Why don't you tell me everything that happened? And we have Luke's gospel and we have the book of Acts. And 
what's amazing is in, in Acts, Luke records not the resurrection, but everything that happens after that, this movement that's created around the resurrected Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing. Before this explosive movement is born, before this amazing growth that happens where people start to follow and believe in this Jesus who resurrected from the dead, this scene that we're reading in Luke 24 shows us disciples who were more doubtful than devoted, who were more fe- fearful than, than faithful. They were scared. They were nervous. They were, they were, they were skeptical. And this is, if you're a skeptic here today, this is a, an amazing scene for you because the disciples were skeptical. The, dis- the disciples, they, they were still living in Saturday mode. You know, Jesus died on a Friday. He resurrects on a Sunday. But they're still living in Saturday mode. Jesus, to them, is still dead. And so, verse 36, as we read this, Jesus shows up among them. Like, he just shows up. Like, there's no knock at the door. We don't know how this happened in his resurrected type of body. Maybe he just showed up. He shows up among them and freaks them out. I mean, it says they're frightened, they're startled, and that's common language today for I'm freaked out, right? So they're, they're scared. And they don't believe any of this yet. Not only are they frightened and startled, they think they've seen a ghost. They're like, this is impossible. I mean, and they didn't have like sitcoms like we have today where kind of people just show up, you know, in, in, a, in a somewhat transparent image. Anyways, maybe you didn't catch that. But, um, but he, Jesus is smart. Like his first words to them, peace be with you. That was smart to tell them that right away because that's a good first impression to make when you show up and they think you're a ghost. Um, great opening line. But Jesus does more than that. He does this show and tell. He's like, hey, look at my hands and look at my feet. And you can, if you want, you can like touch my body. And, and he does like maybe a 360 for them. He's like, you can come. Like, let's shake hands. Let's high five. You know, pinch me. I'll pinch you. We'll see how this all works. And, and, and it's interesting because this is, Jesus is just like, hey, this is real. And the disciples must be really high, like a 10 on the hospitality scale. Because the next thing they say is like, would you like something to eat? I, that wouldn't have come out of my mouth first, but they must, have, they must be high on the hospitality scale. And they're like, hey, Jesus, would you like something to eat? And Jesus digs in. And there's nothing that proves resurrection like fish and chips, right? It's like, I'm eating. This is good. You know, is it a beer batter that you've used to make this? I don't know. But so they're eating, and this becomes very real to them as Jesus eats their food and spends time with them at their table, and he shows them his hands and his feet. Now, if you're a modern skeptic, I would like point you to, to other accounts in the scripture, other gospels, other versions from Matthew, Mark, and John, and, and, and the apostle Paul, who was a, a Christian killer, who became a Christian himself, and, and gives us some of these letters to these, this first century church, and it's amazing to see some of the first-hand accounts. I would point you to some non-biblical uh, accounts that aren't in our Bible from some historians, like a, a first-century historian named Josephus who, who, who witnessed these people that grew from understanding the resurrected Jesus, who, who, was, who was very acquainted with the, the, the first-hand accounts of everything that happened. And that'd be awesome to look through. And we've done it before in other messages, and we'd, I'd love to point you to them. But today I want to just, just sit with this post-resurrection story. Just, just trust for a moment what Luke is telling us, that he has seen Jesus alive that his disciples have seen, have seen him alive. 
And that in itself is amazing. But here's what happens with faith or spirituality. When we think of resurrection, many of us get caught up in just, first of all, what, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for me? Right? And, and when Jesus says, peace be with you, some of you are like, great, that's why I came to church this morning. I need inner peace. I want peace for my life. I want to be void of distractions. I wish my life was just peaceful. Jesus, can I grab your peace? And we often turn this immediately for ourselves. And we do this with, I mean, by all means, Jesus wants to give you peace, but it's bigger. It's bigger than that. Jesus goes on to explain what resurrection means and and what that's all about. If the resurrection happened, there must be a bigger reason for it. And in, in the following verses, Jesus starts off and he tells us, these are his words, he says, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. And he talks about Moses and the law and the, and the prophets. And this is beautiful because Jesus is letting them know right off the bat, hey, what's happened in the last three days? It's bigger than you think it is. I've talked to you about this stuff. There's a backstory to this. This fits into God's big, huge plan to restore the world. And the backstory is that for centuries, God was at work intentionally, his big story and plan is to restore humanity back into relationship with him and back into relationship with others in the world. And he starts off, there's a story in the Old Testament that's very familiar to many people. It's a story of Abraham. He starts with Abraham and he tells this person, Abraham, he reveals himself to Abraham. Imagine Abraham, Mesopotamia era, you know, thousands, thousands of years ago, God reveals himself. This shifts his life completely. This is unlike anything he's ever experienced before. And God, over time, as Abraham gets to know God, God reveals himself to him and says, you're going to be a blessing to the nations. I know you don't see it yet. I know you don't understand it yet. But what I'm starting right now, it's, it's for everybody. It's for the whole world. And And... And God starts to shape first Abraham and then his son and his son and their kids and these families and it becomes into this nation called Israel that God would work through this people to bring his plan about for the nations, for the world. Light and restoration. God works through prophets as as Israel kind of goes this way and this way off course. God sends these prophets to Israel and and often these prophets have these words about, these prophetic words about about justice and about mercy and about uh, following God's plan and, and, and really about who they are because they would fall off course and often to get to God's heart to that everybody they would lock eyes with, especially the poor and marginalized, matter to God. And God would get this message across to these people to keep shaping them because his plan was always for the world, was always for the nations, was always to restore people because God wants to bring light to humanity, to restore and heal and reconcile and flourish and to invite the world to his table, to his table, so people would know who they are and who God is and their purpose into eternity. And this resurrected Jesus was God's plan to bring this new about. Jesus fulfills everything Israel couldn't do and couldn't accomplish. And Jesus was God's plan to bring something brand new, brand new life and brand new relationship and brand new creation. And so as Jesus is telling them, this is so important, Jesus says, don't you realize what happened fulfills everything about me? It fulfills everything about me. 
Everything must be fulfilled. But here's the beautiful thing, because that's great. That's so good to know. It's so good that this fits in a greater plan. But it's more than that. It's fulfillment, but it goes more than that. And in the following verses, Jesus begins to explain his, his key to under, his key, the, the key to God's agenda. I want to read the, the next few verses with you. So he tells them this next. He says, this is what is written. And he, said, he speaks about himself. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Okay, good. That's happened. We know. But then here's the next part. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name for all nations. There's another version that's on the next slide that I think is, is really important. And it says it this way, that repentance and forgiveness is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations. That's a little bit more what the original looks like. And here's this, this is, this is amazing. Here God steps back, Jesus steps back and says, listen, this is why this has happened. This is God's agenda. This is God's plan. This is God's purpose for you and for the world. And the result of me rising from the grave is that repentance and forgiveness would be spread out to the whole world. Now you read those two words, and if you're a little bit antagonistic towards faith or to religion, or you're, you're skeptical towards that, those two words in their, just their essence, doesn't look like bad religion at all, actually. It doesn't sound like a power struggle or a plot to control people. In fact, those two words, when you really get to the heart of what those two words mean, it sounds like freedom. It sounds like flourishing. It sounds like I would want to live a life like that. I would want the world to look like that. And the first piece of this that I just want to come back to is Jesus says, this is to all nations. This is to all nations. It's bigger than just peace to you. <clears throat> it includes you, but it's beyond you. And that's so important because, you know, so often when, when some of us get into following Jesus or get into faith, it feels so great that sometimes we forget that other people need it. And Jesus reminds them right from the beginning, this is for all nations. And I know this challenges us because this is, I don't know about you, but I'm like that. When, so, when I go to a store, I normally go for me. In fact, my kids bug me because even if I go to a store for them, I start looking at a shirt. They're like, dad, I, you're here for me. Why are you like, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I won't like, I won't try that. When you go to a store, you're, it's all about you. When you go to the bank, you're doing stuff for you. When you go to the gym, you're doing stuff for your own health. When you go to school, you're trying to develop yourself to get better, right? Some of us, in fact, some of you today, right now, you're in a relationship and it's not about the other person. It's about you. You're actually in a relationship for you or you're starting a relationship because it benefits you. And Jesus, when the resurrection happened, he wanted to make sure, hey, listen, God's agenda is for all people, for all people, everybody we lock eyes with. God's interested in you, no doubt, but his heart bleeds for the world. And here, here, here's the next piece, and this is a beautiful piece. He says that repentance and forgiveness is to be spread or preached or communicated all over. This is God's corporate strategy. This is God's, uh, you know, big mission. If we had the privilege of sitting in like a boardroom in heaven and God's leadership team is there and Jesus is chairing the meeting, the Holy Spirit's taking notes. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm going far with this illustration. But the idea is that what you would hear, what they're about, what it's all about is that people would be restored and human flourishing would take place. Repentance and forgiveness would be spread. 
Maybe it sounds too simple or maybe it sounds too religious or maybe it sounds too sentimental, but just wait a second. Think about this for a second. Let me see if this is something humans even care about. So I'm going to ask you this question. And here's this question. What does someone ask when they find themselves in a mess? What does someone ask when they find them? What have you asked when you find yourself in a mess? When you failed at something, what's the question that you ask? When, when, you, when, when you, uh, you know, go through a relational breakup, what question do you ask? When you've been hurt or you hurt someone or when you're lost, what question often do you ask? And tell me if this resonates to you. And here's, here's two questions. Here's the first question. I bet you something, you might not say it this way, but this is how I'm saying it. How do I turn around from this? That's the first question. The first question is, how do I turn around from this? I think you can put the question on the screen. How do I turn around from this? Because when you're lost or when you mess up or when you fail or when something goes wrong or even if you've hurt someone, often you step back and you say, how can I change this? How can I turn around from this? How can I make this better? How can I bring something good out of this? When that happens, that's often our first thought. That's often what kind of comes up, what we're, what we're thinking in our hearts. How do I turn around from this? But here's, here's the second question I think many of us ask, and it's this. How do I find freedom from this? In other words, how can my life move on from this? This just happened, and I'm living with it, and, and I've maybe made someone else live with it. How do I move on from it? How do I find freedom from it? And so those two questions, you can leave them both on the screen, I think are really important questions. How do I turn from this and how do I find freedom from this? And the first question is really repentance, right? The first question is repentance because repentance means I'm walking this way and I realize I think I should make a U-turn and I should walk this way. That's what repentance is. The heart of forgiveness is the second question. How do I find freedom from this? Because forgiveness is finding freedom from something you've done or you've done to someone else, and you, in your heart, you, you, you need to be released from it. Not in a selfish way, but in a way where you're like, how can I live with this forever? How, maybe you're going to live with the consequence, but how do I live with that in, in my heart and my soul? And how, what about the person who's done this maybe to me? Or I've done it to them. And forgiveness is finding freedom from something. And it's so incredible that Jesus, when he's talking to the disciples in this apartment in Jerusalem, and he's like, hey, don't you know why all this happened? Let me tell you why all this happened. Repentance and forgiveness is to be spread into the whole world. This this message, this opportunity, this good news about this possibility is meant to be spread to everybody because everybody longs for this inside. Everybody asks the question, how do I turn from this? Everybody asks the question, how do I find freedom from this? And Jesus says, I've, I've risen from the grave to put all that away, to put what's been done to you and from you, to not hold it against you so you can find freedom from it. <laughs> And so you can learn a better way to walk. And that's the beauty. Jesus tells us all the scripture pointed to this. Everything in God's story is about this desire that God has to bring something brand new to humanity. This new way of connecting to him and to each other and to life. And resurrection fulfills that plan. That's the big kind of icing on the cake of God's plan. That's the big climax of God's story. 
And Jesus says something interesting. He says, this is all going to start in Jerusalem, right where they are. They're like, awesome. I love our city. It's going to start here. And so Jesus, it's going to start right here. And this is really cool because when, when you look at it, when you, when you read like Luke's other book, Acts, and when you read some of the New Testament letters and you read some history around what happens in the first couple of centuries after Jesus' resurrection, within the first hundred years, you can tell that this repentance and forgiveness was being spread to people because some life was being changed. And they were starting to live it out. They were starting to live a new life out. They were starting to live how they treated people differently out. They, were, they started to live in greater freedom. They, they, they started to live not bound by their culture or by the empire or by the oppression that was against them. They, they weren't bound by all that stuff. They were living so differently. And some amazing things happened. We can read like that they, that they sold their possessions and gave to those who had in need. They weren't so tied to that stuff. They let it go. And they still used it, but they weren't tied to it. So they could be, they could give to those in need. These racial barriers were broken down where like the Jewish people and non-Jewish people and then other cultures, they were all meeting in the same house church, praying together, worshiping together, encouraging each other, blessing each other, helping each other out. All of a sudden, these racial barriers start breaking down and we see, wow, that's the, that's the impact of the resurrection. That's the impact of repentance and forgiveness. When this stuff starts happening in people, that's amazing. Gender and social barriers start getting broken. I mean, it was rare for someone in the Roman Empire or in the world at the time to reference a, a female that would have instructed people. And Paul in his letter says, hey, there's this, there's this person named Priscilla. She, she brought some teaching here. There was this lady, Lydia, who came to faith, and there's a church that meets in her house. And all of a sudden, we start seeing these, these female names, and it's like, What? That wouldn't have happened normally in that world, in that time. And so these gender and social barriers start getting broken. This incredible barrier of slave and master starts getting broken within that time period. There's a guy named Philemon, and he has a slave named Onesimus. And, and, and this slave, Onesimus, comes to Christ. He becomes a Christian, and Paul, the apostle, gets to meet him. And there's a whole letter in the New Testament scriptures, this whole letter where Paul writes Philemon and say, Hey, Philemon. Your slave Onesimus, he's been hanging out with me for a while. He's been amazing. We love him. He's come to faith. He's going to come back to you, but don't take him back as a slave. Take him back as a brother. That's huge. That's repentance and forgiveness. That's, I've been going the wrong way. I think I'm going to go this way. I've, wrong, I've done wrong in this way, I, and I want to grow in freedom from it. And Christians became known for compassion to the least of those in their society, lepers and the sick and prisoners. They were known for loving their enemies. They were known for loving their enemies. They loved their enemies more than their enemies loved each other. They loved their enemies more than their enemies loved each other. And they were forgiving their persecutors. And so as people started to follow the resurrected Jesus and they repented of the, the, the things that, that culture had ingrained in them, greed and envy and racism and anger, and they turned towards generosity and love and forgiveness and kindness, it started to change things around them. You know, Jesus even reflected this on the cross. He's on the cross. And one of the words recorded is he's looking out to the people who did this to him and his words were, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. These are his words from the cross for his persecutors, his oppressors, his murderers. That's crazy. And when we see that, 
We see this happen in society. A couple of weeks ago, uh, here at Westside, I shared just briefly kind of the story of South Africa and how it came out of apartheid. And there was a, a bishop, a Christian bishop there named Desmond Tutu, and uh, he has such a heart for, um, for, for people, for faith, and he was at the helm of this, this Truth and Reconciliation Committee or team that helped South Africans come out of this this season of apartheid, this season of just horrible, horrible relationship, horrible relationship. And part of what he did was this. So don't read the screen for a second. Just listen to this. Part of what he did was this. He called the oppressors to to repent of their oppression. They called the oppressors to repent of their oppression. And you know what? This is the next thing he did was crazy. He called the oppressed to forgive the oppressors. He called the oppressed to forgive the oppressors. That's repentance and forgiveness happening. That's the only way, the only way to get a glimpse of growth out of that horrible situation. And I love what he said. I'm going to quote it again this week. You can put it back on the screen. He says, there's nothing more radical, nothing more revolutionary, nothing more subversive against injustice and oppression than the Bible. And what he means by that is there's nothing outside of God's incredible plan and message in Jesus Christ. We, just, we see this in the Gospels and in Jesus. That would have been impossible without the language and vision that was birthed from the resurrected Jesus. But here, here's, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing. And I'm going to slowly come to wrap this up in this way. It's good to see that in a big way. But what about in our way, in our personal ways? What about in our personal lives? There was a girl a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Dory. And uh, she came to our church. Uh, she comes from Vancouver, B.C. That's her. She, she shared a little bit of her story. And a couple of months from now, her story is going to be packaged up in a video. And we're going to let you know on our website. You're, you're going to want to hear her story. But she shared a glimpse of it last week. And she said something significant. She, she talked about she was an immigrant to Canada. She came to Canada for the first time. She, um, she ends up meeting uh, at a bus stop. Some lady invites her to an alpha course which is something we do here as well. It helps people explore Christianity. She said no. She's like, no, no, I'm not interested in that, whatever. So she's sharing her story, and her whole family ends up coming to Vancouver, but there's a, a big, horrible breakup in her family. Her family's a mess. Her family's in just broken relationship. And part of the cause of this brokenness was her dad, who betrayed the family, who betrayed his wife, and ended up leaving the home and just left them hanging. And he just like, I'm, I'm living my life. And he left them. And a, a little while later, months or a couple of years into that, he ends up coming to faith in Jesus. Comes to faith in Jesus. He becomes this Christian. I don't know the whole process involved, and you'll hear her story one day on the video, so hopefully you'll, you'll look for that in the future. But when this happens, when something changes in his heart, he did something. He called his family and he called them, and they, they were shocked. They're like, what, why are you calling us? He said, something has changed in me that has changed me radically. And I have grown, I, I just, I know I need to, to make amends with my family. Would you let me come and speak to you? And he comes to speak to them, and he shares what he's, been, what he's walked through, and he shares the change in his heart, and he repents of what he did. He asks them for forgiveness, and he says, will you welcome me back? And in time, they became a family again. And it all, it's crazy because it all started with the work of Jesus Christ in his heart. 
And, and, and look at what happened. It was repentance and forgiveness that led to this restoration. I think that's why Jesus said that. He said, yes, this, the Messiah will suffer. He will die and be raised to life. And repentance and forgiveness will be preached to the nations because that is the need of our heart and our society. And my thought for you is maybe, maybe this can happen in your heart today if it hasn't happened already. This call to repentance, this call to forgiveness. See, resurrection isn't only something that happened in Jesus. I'm going to ask the team to come up to get ready as we... We move to a close here. Resurrection isn't only something that happened in Jesus. It did. Jesus rose from the grave. But there's this beautiful theme in the scriptures that says the power and freedom that the resurrection represents is, is found in repentance and forgiveness, and it can become yours. It can become mine. It can be spread to others. This is so amazing. And I, I want to just read this line with me off the screen. And I I tried to wrap it up this way because I think it's so vital for us to get this. We are never truly free without forgiveness. And we will never understand forgiveness without repentance. Dory's dad, he could have, you know, wanted forgiveness, but I don't think he would have really understood forgiveness if he didn't engage repentance. And I don't think him and the family would have ever found freedom without forgiveness. And yet forgiveness is never understood without repentance. And it's this cycle. And it's a beautiful agenda that God has for the world, that God has for you and for me. And, and, and I th- as I think about that, I would just wonder, I want to ask us today, can, maybe you're asking this question, can I make a U-turn? Like, is, can I actually repent? Can I turn from, like, what my life has been like? Um... Can I find freedom from things that either I've done or have been done to me that I've continue to live with or I continue to live with the burden of not forgiving someone? I want, maybe you're wondering, can I make a U-turn? Can I find forgiveness? And Jesus says, yes, that's why I suffered. That's why I dealt with sin, the action of sin and the, and the power of sin. That's why I dealt with it in the cross. And then rose from the grave because Jesus came to fulfill God's promise. God's promise is to is that humanity would be able to flourish in Christ, would find joy and freedom and restoration. And the promise is for you too. Promise is for all of us. And I know many of us here would say, yes, I live in that promise. I'm so grateful for that promise. But I know there's some here today that don't, that some here today that live on this side of repentance or this side of forgiveness. And there's something aching in your heart that says, I I want a U-turn. I want freedom. And Jesus says something really important in that line where he talks about repentance and freedom to the nations. He says, he inserts something that's a real big, real important qualifier for all of us. And especially if you're exploring what this means for you. He said this, repentance and forgiveness will be preached in my name. In my name. Repentance and forgiveness will be preached in my name. That's so important. You know, I know earlier I said peace within you, it's bigger than that, but that's exactly where it starts. It exactly starts with peace within you, that God wants to restore you. And it only comes through Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, repentance and forgiveness in his name. And we can all experience that. And here's the beautiful thing that other parts of the scriptures or 
some of the first accounts of Jesus tell us that Jesus told us and the early church let us know is that there's this incredible promise that when we come and we actually repent, when we say, I, I want to make this, this U-turn, I confess that this way has been just not the way that I should be walking. The scripture, Jesus promises, like he promises forgiveness. He says, yeah, you come and you confess and you repent and and, and I, I'm going to be part of that process with you and I'm going to bring for, I'm going to give you forgiveness it's been taken care of for you already on the cross that's why I went to the cross that's why I died that's why, that's why I rose from the grave to take care of that that stops you from this that stops you from repenting that stop, that your pride that stops you from repentance I went to the cross for that and Jesus wants to even empower us in the repenting and, and then he wants to forgive us and he says I want, you, I want to forgive you if you just come to come openly to me and just bring your full self to me in repentance and, and confession, I will hold nothing against you. I will forgive you. And I will empower you in that forgiveness to help you forgive those that have hurt you. Because God's plan is to bring this to the world. And so resurrection backs up God's claim to respond to your repentance with forgiveness. When Jesus rose from the grave, it backs up God's claim to respond to your repentance and my repentance with forgiveness. And so today, I just want to give you a moment here. Um, and I know that we're maybe in different parts of our spiritual journey, and some of you, guys, some of you here may be just exploring for the first time today. But we just take a moment and just, just have a quiet moment just, just to give you an opportunity. Um, maybe you're asking that question, I want to repent, I don't know how. And that's just being very honest and open with God. Really saying, I have walked this way, I don't want to walk it anymore. I have wronged, I have hurt. And I, just, I, I want to just be open to that, God. I'm telling you all this. I don't know how to deal with it. So I'm telling you, I don't want to, to walk that way anymore. And then scripture says, when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And so right here in this moment, you can, you can just invite the forgiveness of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, by putting your faith in him, by putting your trust in him. So if that's you, just maybe we can all just quietly with our eyes closed, just respond to God. If you're in that spot where you're, where you're on the wrong side of, of repentance and forgiveness. When I mean the wrong side, I mean just the side where you feel, you, you know you long for something new and fresh. Just take a moment and, and let God know that in your own words. You can just say, God, I have walked the wrong way for so long and so many of my decisions have not been decisions that lead to the flourishing that you long for my life. And sometimes, God, it's even been in complete rebellion to you because I didn't want anything to do with you. And I repent of that. I want the new that you long for me in your son Jesus. I want to trust you fully. Put my trust in the resurrected Christ and welcome the forgiveness you have for me. God, as we're all here, we just, um, 
we come to you in Christ's name. God, I pray for some that even not right now in this moment are struggling, and I pray that you would give them strength and courage and lead them by your Holy Spirit towards a repentance that comes from their heart because there's a longing in them, a longing in them for what you have in store for them, God. And God, as they trust you, as they, as they make this step of trust, as we all do in some way, shape, or form, or maybe already have, God, we're so grateful that you respond with forgiveness. We long to be freed from the things that have bound us and enslaved us, God. And we know this comes in Christ's name. Repentance and forgiveness comes in Christ's name. And we just relish that and celebrate that. Amen. Yes, God. Hey, we're going to close in just a moment. And... Um, you know, if, if Easter for you today has been just a, just a first time or an exploration, I would so long for you to consider a couple of things. One is you might just leave today saying, I, I just, I, I'm ready. I want to simply choose to follow Jesus. And maybe in our prayer time or maybe in this moment you've done that, we'd love to help you navigate what that means and what that looks like and how you can learn and grow and process some of those questions. Um, Maybe you said, yeah, I believe. And that's, you know, in a similar vein. And so we want to help you grow in that. That's part of our heart as a church community to just draw closer to Christ, his teachings, his life. But some of you might say, I just want to explore more. And like, like Zach, you know, there's no time limit on that. And so maybe the best thing you can do is come, just come back next week. Um, connect with something in our community. Find out how you can, you know, explore a little bit with a few people or in a large group or small group or just personally, even through email or through our Facebook page or whatever, but just to make a step of exploration. We love, we really, we really celebrate that and we'd love to honor that and, and help you navigate through that. And so wherever you are in that, um, please, we want to help you make a next step. Um, so see us today. See someone at, at, at our connections outside. Fill out a contact card. Maybe we can write you back. Uh, and again, if you're a first-time guest, see Diane on this side. She'd love to give you a first-time gift uh, for you as well. But let's, can we pray together as we close? Awesome, let's do that. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for a world still living an Easter Saturday existence. We repent of ways we still live in Saturday mode the greed and violence and envy and impatience and deception and discontentment and fears and lust of our world. Give us the courage to repent and turn away because you, you, God, have made new life possible in Jesus and his resurrection and we welcome the forgiveness in his name and the freedom and life and restoration that comes with it. And even though as a whole, God, our world lives in a Saturday existence, we look forward towards a future fullness of Sunday, a future fullness of resurrection and new creation. And we trust you for that and look forward to that and in advance celebrate what you're already planning, God. So we pray and long for the freedom you give to be experienced by everyone because you rose for everyone. God, this week, may whatever eyes we lock whatever person we lock eyes with God may we be reminded that they matter to you and that your plan for restoring the world included them would you use us to spread the message of repentance and forgiveness for their life and freedom and flourishing God 
Use us, God, as your vessels. We want to be light in our world. And we're humbled that you would work through us in that way, God. We pray all this, Lord, in Jesus' incredible name, our resurrected Lord. Amen.